Hey ladies and gents and welcome to episode 13 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan and Dominic. What's up guys? How's it going? Good. What's up? It's going real good. Real good. Got that burger pizza. Eating that burger pizza. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so episode 13, hopefully it's not too unlucky for us. We're going to be getting into what we've played. Um, my topic is going to be about Doom later on in the episode. I finished Doom, played it from beginning to end, loved the game. Um, other things I've been playing, I played a little bit more of uh, Smite as always. Um, I got access to Quantum Break. I haven't do- uh, dove into it. I'm probably going to be doing that this week. It'll probably we'll talk about it next week. Uh, what else? I've been really playing too much except for Doom. Um, been playing Pokemon here and there as well. Uh, I played a little bit of Hearthstone too, just because like I haven't been able to get Overwatch and I'm having that like Blizzard. I, I want a Blizzard game in my hands. Obviously, Overwatch. But... <laughs> Hearthstone's free to play, um, so I've been playing that for a bit. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it. I haven't been doing too much except for Doom. What about you guys? For me, I was playing uh, Borderlands earlier today, still working on that Platinum. Um, might get to that before I die, hopefully. Borderlands 1 or 2? The original on PS3. Okay. Right now I'm playing through I'm playing through the DLC to get my level up to 50, which would give me the Platinum, so... I'm on the Claptrap Robot Revolution DLC, which shout out to them for having a uh, Bioshock reference in there. That's cool. Um, and then um, Beat Quantum Break, um, but I'll probably just save that for discussing that for when you beat it, Jared. Sounds um, good. So I'd like to really talk about um, Hearts of Stone, the first DLC pack for The Witcher 3. Um, beat that this week. And, um, my gosh, I am head over heels in love with that DLC pack. Like, the story was incredible. It was about 10, maybe 15 hours long with all the side quests. Um, not a whole lot of new stuff. Um, they added, like, Rune Masters, which is cool. Um, a couple of little other tiny, uh, additions here and there. But, um, for a $10, I think it was 10 maybe $15, DLC pack. I, there's not much more you could ask for, especially if you're a fan of Witcher Three, like I am. So there's that. And then uh, here in just a few days, on May 31st, we're gonna have Witcher Three Blood and Wine. So I am super excited for that. All up in that Witcher right now. Is that a twenty dollar DLC? The yes, but if you pre-order it, I think it's only eighteen. Okay. And do you have the season pass, or are you buying them individually? Yeah, I just bought the. I pre-ordered the game along with the expansion pass because, oh, okay, cool. um, you know, we talk about how awesome CD Projekt Red is. Instead of giving us some, like, crappy pre-order bonus, they actually just gave everybody a discount that pre-ordered. That's smart. I like that. Yeah. You? Dumb? So this week I finished up Dark Souls finally. Um, I'm, it, it felt good to be, you know, to have it completed. It's like an accomplishment kind of feeling. You're uh, in a healthier state physically and mentally my my blood pressure has lowered significantly uh take a load off (laughs) yeah um your wife's probably happy you're not angry every day yeah right yeah the 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 temper's down um yeah i love that game um not as good as dark souls one of course um i don't think anything will ever be able to recapture that magic of like a person's first souls game yeah um it's still really cool it did a lot of the same stuff that i loved about dark souls one uh a couple couple just disappointments you know little minor complaints but uh, for another day i guess i also started uh far harbor uh, uh-huh. uh the uh fallout 4 dlc 
It's really cool so far. Uh, very foggy. You uh, basically travel to this travel to this island, um, and the town there, Far Harbor, is be- basically being pushed out uh, farther and farther to the coast of the island by this fog and the monsters that are within it. I'm only a couple hours in. I've done a couple side quests, um, but the place is the the island is really kind of creepy and moody. Um, oh, cool. I really like it. It's an, it's a slightly different tone than the rest of uh, Boston was in Fallout 4. It's it's a real real nice change of pace. So, but uh, once I get more into it, probably next week, um, I'll make that my topic and we'll go into it a little deeper. But yeah, so that's what I've been playing. It seems like what they did with Far Harbor is what they kind of did in Oblivion with Shivering Isles. I don't know if you guys are either either of you are familiar with that. Like uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion had a DLC called Shivering Isles that took place in a separate location obviously and it the tonally it was a lot moodier than the rest of the game so that's what it sounds like far harbor is with uh fallout it's um, like rainy and foggy and dark and scary and weird frog monsters jump at you from out of trees and all sorts of craziness too spooky i really i love it when dlc takes you know a game that you already know and love and kind of mixes it up and gives you new new scenarios new situations to be a part of that was Part of the reason I loved uh, Jack the Ripper DLC so much for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Well, I think it's super important in games like Fallout 2 where one of the biggest gripes, but also one of the biggest like things that people love about it is that it's more of Fallout 3. And, yeah. you know, in order to have a DLC that people want, for some games, DLC is fine for it being more of the same game. But for a game like Fallout, you definitely want its own experience because you've played that game for so long. You know, you want something so, different. That was my biggest problem with Fallout 4 in general is that it lacks so much of the choice and, like... Just that, that those RPG elements kind of got stripped down from Fallout 3. But otherwise, yeah, it was pretty much the same. But apparently, uh, as you go along in Far Harbor, there's more of those choices uh, that the main story kind of lacked. That's awesome. Is is this the last piece of DLC for Fallout 4? I don't think so. No, this um, is one of the first major ones. Yeah, I think there's several more still coming. There were because... smaller ones, like the, the robot building one and another one. This is like the first like staple... Um, yeah, I, I think originally this was planned to be the last one, um, but then they wanted to do some more, and that's why they ended up raising the price of the season pass. Yeah. So I think um, that's the case. Fallout 3 had, what, like three or four major pieces of DLC, right? Like major. And they were all big, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, New Vegas had uh, three as Five, well. I think. Like, it had a lot. Yeah. Maybe three. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. They three. were big though. Something blue, something else, and something road. They were all really cool. Like the yeah. Fallout DLC is always. Yeah, Bethesda really cool. always does DLC really well. So, I'm glad you guys are getting your money for your DLC. That's awesome. So, uh, I'm gonna get right into the news here. Uh, the first story. Um, we have a couple of trailers that were announced. The first one is for Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is a new entry in the Ghost Recon franchise, which everyone loves. Um, and the trailer's called, I think, We Are Ghosts. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to talk about our thoughts. Just real quick, what you guys thought of the trailer for me. Wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a whole lot to show. It was more of like a cinematic experience. I doubt any of this is actual in-engine. Maybe it is, I don't know. But, uh, it gives off the tone of the game. Um, it looks like it's going to be a multiplayer experience. Maybe it's single player and you can have friends in there if you want. But, to me, it looks like a multiplayer experience. Um, it looks cool. I definitely want to see more of this game before I make a decision on whether or not I'm going to get it. Um, but you know it's Ubisoft making a Ghost Recon game. So what about you guys? It, it looked like a uh, it looked like a Ghost Recon Far Cry game almost. Yeah, that's what Jordan yeah. was saying. Yeah, yeah. Before you got on, Don, I was talking about how 
I've been waiting for a third person Far Cry just because I love third person more so much more than first person. So this might be the game I've been looking for. Yeah. What do you guys think about the the enemies, the the cartel looking guys? It's some. I definitely think it's something we don't see enough of in video games. I like that. That. Uh, you know, obviously Wildlands, it's like gritty and out in the open, um, you know, kind of in the boondocks type of deal. Um, and I like that. I'm, I'm excited to play that. Like you were saying, it's going to be different than The Division where you're cooped up in this city with all these buildings surrounding you. It's going to be nice and wide open, and I like that. It looks like a lot of extreme stuff too, um, which is really cool. I, I'm going to make a bold – I don't think it's a bold prediction. I almost guarantee there will be a – uh, Breaking Bad reference in this game. <laughs> what does this have a release date? Mm, I don't think so. It just is fall, right? I think it's quarter four, twenty sixteen. Okay. It is this year, though, from what I remember. I could be wrong about that. Because for me, looking forward the rest of the year, there, I'm, I'm kind of at the beginning of a lull here of games that I'm interested in that are coming out. Yeah, yeah there's. I'm. I think that's why. This is kind of cool though, because then it means we get more excited at E3. Um, but. Yeah, I don't really have a lot that I'm looking forward to as far as, like, AAA games. Like, Below and Cuphead, I'm super excited for. But, like, big, meaty games, like, Gears is cool and everything, but I don't necessarily think I'm excited for it, you know? Um, but we'll get into the second uh, the second uh, story here. It's, it's a trailer on an article. Um, this broke today, I believe, right, Jordan? I think it was today. Um, yes. Devolver Digital announces Absolver from ex-Ubisoft Paris developers. It includes people from the... Watchdogs team in the Ghost Recon series. Strangely enough, we're talking about Wildlands. Uh, it comes from Lucy O'Brien. I'm going to read this real quick, and then we'll discuss the trailer like we did before. Uh, Devolver Digital has teamed up with Paris-based developer Slowclap to bring you Absolver, an online combat RPG coming to PC and consoles. Absolver was the first game from Slowclap, an independent studio founded in 2015 by developers who worked together on Ubisoft, uh, together at Ubisoft, on Watchdogs and the Ghost Recon series. It puts players in the shoes of a prospect who joins an elite corp of uh, core. I don't know why I always say corp. Elite core of combatants called Absolvers to maintain stability in the world. Players will wander through Absolvers' world and pick up new combat styles, attacks, powers, and weaponry, uh, while fighting over other uh, fighting other warriors in an intense real-time flow of attacks. Um, to me, it looks like uh, the Destiny Division type games mixed with um, the Rocksteady combat. If that makes sense, that's what it looks like to me. So the impression I got. It's so like this combat RPG MMO esque game, but the combat to me feels very rock steady, like movement combo based, um, move like moving one uh, back and forth. Um, it looks interesting though. It looks cool. I like the art style. I like the. Uh, I I just want to see more of this game though to get a definitive idea. What about you guys? It, it reminded me of uh, For Honor. Uh, yeah. The sword game. Yeah, that kind of like. That tactical, like hand-to-hand -hand fighting kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but that game uses swords. But it looked, you know, similar in similar mechanic-wise, I guess. But it looked interesting. I don't know if that's the kind of game that I'm gonna be interested in. But. Gear chasers, I guess, is what a best a good term for it, right? Gear chasers, like you're always chasing oh, okay. the best gear for the game, the Destiny yeah. Division esque kind of games. Um, to me, are... I would say it looked more like a a fighting game than like a rock steady combat situation. You almost think it's like, going to be like like uh, like combos? Yeah, almost like a Street Fighter or something like that. Obviously, it's 3D and not 2D, but... I got a little of that vibe, too. Yeah. See, that really disappoints me if that's the case, because I don't like fighting games where you have to combo and stuff. But then again, if it's in a... Like, I've never played a game that's in a 3D space and is doing this, so... 
I can't really judge it before we see what exactly is going down, but uh, it looks cool. Uh, props on the name. I think Absolver's a really cool name. Uh, yeah, and the aesthetic, just the art direction and everything that they know what they're doing over there. Yeah, and I mean they have proven people whether or not you like Watch Dogs. Uh, you know they they've worked on also Ghost Recon, so they have a familiarity with multiplayer. You know, and, and kind of big scope games. So yeah. I'm really interested to see uh, what exactly this game is. Before we get into the couple of Xbox stories we have, you actually had some news on the Kickstarter we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right, Jordan? Yeah, so um, if you don't remember, it was called Lynn and the Spirits of Now, and it's a 2D platformer that was uh, heavily influenced by Studio Ghibli Films and uh, Hayao Miyazaki, who is uh, the guy who's uh, directed most of their films. Um, and, you know, I was really excited about this. I really liked, um, the trailer that they showed. I liked the style of the game and what the gameplay was looking like. And, um, I was getting pretty excited. And like I said, I thought it was going to be the first Kickstarter that I would end up backing. Um, and then this actually happened last week, right around the time we were recording the podcast, but I didn't catch it. So basically what happened is all this stuff started coming out about how, um, the developer's name is Bloomy Light Studio. They're a French developer. And all this stuff was coming out about how they had some interns working on the game that never up, never ended up getting paid. And uh, apparently since they're in France, there's laws there that say if you're part of an internship for more than two months, then you're required to get paid. So um, obviously that's, you know, people not getting compensated is not good. And that's definitely something we don't want to encourage in the industry, but it's still sad either way. Um, you know, they said that they had been working on the game since 2011. Um, so that's five years of this game. And of course, with all this stuff coming out, they ended up canceling the Kickstarter and now the game itself is canceled. So it's just not coming out and it looked pretty, I mean, not finished, but it definitely looked pretty far along, especially since it's been going on for five years. So um, definitely a somber note and, uh, sad to see it go, but, um, you know, there's a big conversation going on in the industry right now about how, um, developers are a lot of times overworked and underpaid and they don't have proper working conditions and they aren't treated the way they should be. So, um, if anything, this is a step in the right direction to, uh, better compensating developers and, and keeping them happy and healthy on the job, uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm sad to see this go, just because it really looked right up my alley, and I was I was really excited to support it, you know. I think this is why you can't cut corners, and you know, like you're gonna eventually get caught. And they cut a corner, and they got caught, and like I don't know, I just think that they they made a mistake, and now not only are the are, is the company probably getting shut down or having some kind of mandate, like now people who are excited for this game don't get to see it, so. Yeah. yeah, I bet it was it was more of a mistake than some intentionally something got uh, lost in well, bookkeeping or something. They they probably that, weren't totally aware that there was a length of time, sort of. Actually, thing. that part is actually pretty interesting. If anybody listening uh, wants to know more about this, there's actually a pretty long Reddit post that has tons and tons of links and tons of information uh, that I didn't disclose here. Um, so if you want to know more, you can head over to Reddit, but. In that post, they were talking about how uh, allegedly the head of the studio had had some of those interns sign contracts saying that they had been paid when they really hadn't. 
Oh well. So okay. So they, okay. yeah, they knew exactly okay. what they and were doing. That's a problem, then. Yeah. 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 So, some some messed up stuff over there. I'm sad to see that game get trashed. Yeah, it sucks, Jordan. I'm sad to hear that a game you're excited for is no longer. But I'm glad that that dude or whoever it was, female guy, uh, you know, it happens, and you can't just treat people like that and expect nothing to happen. You know, it's gonna yeah. come back around. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. One word. Like I like I said, it's a, it's a step in the right direction for the industry which you know uh, this game is a casualty but i'm glad to see um developers being more outspoken and hopefully they'll be properly compensated in the future yeah exactly this gets the conversation rolling in the right direction right um so uh, going off of a somber note we have some exciting news uh at least for xbox owners um so we got some news here by uh keza mcdonald over at kotaku and this the story reads, smaller Xbox One coming this year, more powerful Xbox One in 2017. Microsoft is preparing at least two new Xbox models for release in the next two years. Sources tell Kotaku later this year we'll see a cheaper, smaller Xbox One, and next year Microsoft will release a more powerful version of their premier console. The 2017 Xbox, which is codenamed Scorpio, will have a more powerful GPU, according to three people familiar with this model, and speaking anonymously, because they were not authorized to speak about Microsoft plans, we hear that it will also be technically capable of supporting the Oculus Rift, which goes to a story we have next, uh, and that Microsoft is pursuing a partnership with Oculus. As for 2016, sources have told us there's at least a more compact version coming this year. One source believed it will be uh, it will include a larger 2TB hard drive, double the capacity of most of the, uh, the most spacious current model. We're expecting Microsoft to announce the more compact machine at E3 this year. Um... There's an update on this article. I just want to get down to the update. In an article this afternoon, uh, this was updated 441, the day of us recording this, Polygon corroborated many of the details we reported as well as the one we didn't. Microsoft is aiming to get Scorpio running at 6 teraflops, which we've also heard from one source. Sources have insisted that Scorpio's exact specs have not yet been finalized, though. So, um, I honestly like this approach more than what PlayStation's doing. Um, Obviously, I own an Xbox. I'm not trying to be biased, but, like, I think this is a smarter way of, like, people expect when a console's released, the next, re like, reiterated version is a smaller a smaller console, right? Like, I think it's smarter to release a smaller version of a console, especially with, like, more storage space, and then maybe release a more powerful one, right? Um, yeah. I just think that, that game plan's better, and obviously we don't know what's better because neither of them have released, but, uh, yeah, if this is the case... And this, the Xbox One, we'll call it Scorpio, because um, that's what the project name's called. If Scorpio is coming out next year, and it's six teraflops, isn't that twice the power of Neo? Yeah, it, that's Well, huge. they're saying it's four times the the power of the Xbox One currently. Yeah, which is insane. Like, you're telling me that Xbox is going to release a smaller console this year that has two terabytes of hard drive space on it. It's probably going to look different because people hate the way the normal Xbox One looks. Yeah. And then next year they're going to release something that's more powerful than the so Neo. I think th this six teraflop machine is going to cost at least six hundred dollars too. Are you you sure? know what I mean? Positive. I don't know. They might be that, willing that to kinda... take a loss on this. But see, I mean, I'm okay unless, with yeah. that. I'm I'm okay with that because I think as soon as I started hearing all these Neo rumors, the PS4K stuff, I'm like, Sony's screwing it up because they're talking about. Um, you know, they were, some of the sources were saying that they were going back and forth between how much they wanted to upgrade the console, whether they wanted to go with like a 399 price point or a 499 price point and how, um, 
you know, they're trying to figure out like how powerful they want to make it. And I'm like, how is that even a question? Go with the four ninety nine price point. Like, make it as powerful as you can. If you're gonna release a new console halfway was, through a generation, yeah, why would you do a half step? Why would you only make it barely powerful enough to run these four K games and maybe not even at sixty frames? Like, if you're gonna do this thing halfway through a generation, I think you go all out. And so, think about this: if you know everybody talks about how the PS four is more powerful than the Xbox One, well. What if that role's reversed next year? I mean, that could be huge for Microsoft. From the reports and, that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think that's the total, totally the right direction to go because if you're gonna, it's go big or go home. Basically, you know, if you're gonna do it, you got to do it right. So the the piece we glossed over was uh, the Oculus stuff. That's yeah. the yeah. This that's the biggest piece of this to me because if Microsoft gets into bed with Oculus, which is backed by, rather owned by Facebook. That's a whole bet or a whole Pandora's box of opportunities of things that could, you know, Facebook integration through your Xbox and VR. Like, I don't even know what that would look like, but there's well, so even just much the backing, that could be like, Facebook has money. Microsoft right. has money. Like, and yeah. Facebook has a network. Yeah. The biggest network in the world. Like, I got to say, it's not hugely surprising for me, though, because in a way, they're already in bed with Oculus. They, uh, you know, when Oculus started announcing their, their, um, the bundle that they were going to have, you know, they, every Oculus comes with an Xbox one controller. So obviously that doesn't, that doesn't automatically mean that they're like in bed and that they're going to be on Xbox or anything like that, but it starts the conversation, you know, from my understanding, Xbox one games could technically work on an Oculus already, but only in a, like a cinematic mode, type of thing, mode, yeah. not actually VR. But if they could, if this turns out to be like everything that's on Oculus is playable, Without a PC, if you have an Xbox, then that's huge. That's that's oh yeah. So well, the same huge. thing here too is there was actually a recent report um, that uh, Microsoft came out and stated that every exclusive from this point on is also going to be um, playable on Windows 10. Which basically confirmed that I'm never buying an Xbox now. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is that this this makes sense in the sense of like the new powerful console, uh, like it's it's going to be so powerful that you can kind of get a little bit more even with PC. Obviously it'll never be even PC's always ahead, but like it makes sense that they're going to try to do that because it makes porting and stuff a lot easier. Um, also, I think the big thing here is the fact that they're releasing a slim model before they release the big boy. Like, which is odd to me. That part is a little, I, I think it's smart though, because so we're the rumored reports are 2017 earlier, late, you know, like it's just 2017 for the Scorpio. Like, if this slim model comes out this fall and then the the big boy doesn't come out till next year, that means that they have a whole year in between, right? I'm just calling it the big boy. It's the easiest way to describe That's it. That's the code name from now on. The but big boy. If um, if Neo is slated to come out this fall and Scorpio won't be till next year, anyone who wants to jump on the more powerful console bandwagon is going to grab the Neo probably now and there's not going to be I don't much. know man not if they because hear that the, the new Xbox is going to be twice as powerful and is exactly have Oculus Rift support and anybody that even knows what the hell a PS4 Neo is is going to know that that's like true. they're going to be a real gamer that's involved and they know that the Xbox Plus, is coming this next PlayStation year. a weird spot because if they send out the Neo and then the Xbox ends up being this much more powerful then they're stuck in this position of well wait if we're not going to have a next console generation, when do we release the our next one that's more powerful? Yeah. And this might step into a thing of, like, they're always trying to one-up each other where, like, there's a new console coming out every three years of them trying to be more powerful than the last one. And the biggest loser of this is NX. <laughs> Once right. <again. laughs> so the, the other thing with Sony is the fact that 
like I said, they're kind of taking a half step by just barely upgrading the console and not really blowing off the doors. It's going to hurt their sales because, you know, when a consumer walks in and it's like, okay, I could get this for $350 or this for $399, like, the regular mainstream consumer isn't going to know that the PS4K is that much better. And so they might just want to save that 50 bucks, you know? So I think that if you have, I think they should make it like, okay, here's your base model PS4 and here's the luxury PS4. Like make a gap so that people know that there's a difference as opposed to, oh, is it just like a bigger hard drive or something, you know? Do we think maybe this could be a whole new generation Xbox? Maybe. I mean, it, it could be. I don't why know. not, right? Xbox yeah. big boy coming 2017. Um, I have a question for you, Dom. You're a little bit more into the tech stuff. So from what I've read, it seems like that new the big boy Xbox will be able to run uh, VR pretty well, right? Yeah. How much more substantial will it be able to run VR than the, the Neo? Is it a huge, like, is it a huge thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good, I don't know the exact numbers, but it sounds like a good jump. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good is Neo going to run VR? Like, 10 being optimal, perfect, 0 being turd. I mean, it's what's... I mean, the Neo is about equal to what Oculus requires in a in a GPU for VR. <clears throat> so, the Neo, from what I've read, is supposed to be around a, a GTX 970, which is the minimum required uh, GPU. Uh, so, bottom line. Right. Well... Well, no, I'm saying like barely, barely meeting the threshold to play VR. Yeah, but when they say minimum, that's I mean, everything in like PC gaming. Like when they say, you know, minimum required specs for this though. game. It's not bad though. I know it's not like terrible. I understand what you're saying. It's to have like the designed experience you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got you. Yeah. Right. Everything not else will still minimum, work. But minimum for an enjoyable experience. Right. You might have okay. to cut back a few things, but everything else still works. So I got you. Okay. The Neo should, I mean, will run VR like comparably with what it would look like on on PC on an Oculus. And that's why I'm so sure that that's the reason they made this. Okay. Um, to match that. But um, like you asked, yeah, this new Xbox would even would blow that out of the park. Yeah. Really. That's it's it's that's so insane to me. I I think this is it puts Sony in a bad spot, but you do make a very good argument of and I understand where Jordan's coming to of like the only the hardcore gamers know know the Neo right now, but like it does beg the question of like if you're willing to upgrade, are you going to upgrade now? Right. You know, and the with timing the is a factor. Yeah, but also, I mean, here's the thing too: is like, if you know, if so, if you're ingrained in this culture and you know that Big Boy's coming out next year, and the Slim comes out this year, and you can pay half the because they said this is going to be cheaper than the current Xbox One. The Slim is going to be cheaper, or at least the same price as the current Xbox One, which makes sense. Um, uh, but like, if you're going to be switching over and you hear the, the Big Boy's coming out. You can pay cheaper to get the Xbox and start migrating over and getting that experience and getting your game library built. So maybe if you do want to upgrade in the future, you know, I don't know. It's it's gonna be a weird thing. I, it, we we can make all the speculations we want, but there's never been anything like this in consoles. So the industry is like on the verge of huge change. Yeah. And uh, as console gamers, you know, no one here likes that because it's eight year cycles and we're all comfortable and everything's nice and easy, but. I have a strong feeling that the whole industry is going to get flipped on its head right now, and things are going to be much different going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, this could be a cold topic for, I mean, E3 is right around the corner. This is just exciting to see how exactly this all plays out. But, um, so, going off of, we're running long on the news here, going uh, going off of the whole VR thing with Xbox One, 
Um, this comes by way of Eddie over at GameSpot. Uh, a major developer from Europe is releasing a VR game on Xbox One next year. Following reports this week that Microsoft might be working on a new, more powerful, and VR-ready Xbox One launch in 2017, another story has uh, come online to seemingly back that up. Ars Technica reports that a major developer is working on a VR game to launch on Xbox One in 2017. This game will be shown at E3, the report said, though it wasn't mentioned if it would be revealed publicly or behind closed doors. So that's your big that's your big asterisk right there, if we're going to see it or if people behind doors are going to see it. It also wasn't explicitly, explicitly stated that this game was in development for the rumored new Xbox One or if it would be playable on the existing model, which I assume is on the new one. There, I don't know if it, how it would work on the existing model. Um... Which, uh, which does, currently doesn't offer VR support. However, the suggestion is that it would be for the new one. The name of the developer and game behind uh, the game is behind held back for now. Uh, Barge Technica says the company is a well-known European studio, and the game is set in the universe of an established, long-running franchise. That leaves open lots of possibilities. Um, real quick, before we get your guys' opinions on this, uh, I think this might be something in the Fable series. Uh, maybe you know, Lionhead obviously got closed and stuff, but. Microsoft still owns IP, so uh, this could be something in Fable. When they say, like, established and long-running, that doesn't necessarily mean hugely popular, you know? Um, so I, it could be something in the Fable kind of realm, and Fable is that franchise they take risks with, um, so I, it could possibly be Fable. That's my guess, um, but this is obviously goes along with what we've heard about VR, so what do you guys think? A, who do you guys think this? Uh, who's making this game or, or what the game is, and what are your guys' thoughts on this, period? me i think you gotta like i obviously this connects to what we were just talking about but um yeah if there was a situation where microsoft comes out with you know xbox big boy or whatever it's called and it's not vr capable they're really screwing up because we know for a fact that ps4 neo is going to be vr capable because ps4 is vr capable um so yeah that's i do think it's a big big uh point that they go ahead and make the uh the big boy vr ready um as far as who this could possibly be i'm not really sure i'm trying to like rack my brain for all the well-known european studios that could be doing this um does it say specifically in the story that it's exclusive no it says uh well-known publisher european doesn't say anything about exclusive okay it's a European publisher, though. Yeah, European European, European developer. I was gonna say Minecraft goes, and yeah. So, but there's no. It doesn't say exclusive, which is a very valid point. But um, they might not say exclusive because it might be on Oculus, which means that it also is on PC. You know, so um, yeah, I don't know. This is it's obviously this isn't surprising. If they're gonna have a console that can run VR, they're gonna have launch titles, right? Um, it, 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 the big boy we could also call it the Xbox Rift I guess um, you know but uh, I don't know who this could be I, my guess is Fable just because the whole thing with Fable Legends obviously and it seems like they could have somebody in the in the works of making something happen um, you, a cool thing with VR would be like black and white I don't know who owns the rights to that though you know the black and white series where you play God essentially is that what I'm talking about? no, no. clue? no clue at all? No. Okay. Um, Pokemon black and white? huh? <laughs> Pokemon Black and White? No, no, there's a game called Black and White where you basically play as a god and you control a world. And it would make sense because you can use your hands in VR to control this world and do stuff with it. It's just a, you know, a guess. Um, um, I've got one for you. What about People Can Fly? People Can Fly? 
people can fly is a european studio they did uh bullet storm for which was an xbox exclusive um and uh, they're heavily connected to epic games um i think people can fly a lot of them are like former epic game developers and then after they did bullet storm uh microsoft acquired them or epic acquired them i guess and it became epic games poland um, but now they've actually reverted back to uh, independence and their people can fly again. So um, Bulletstorm, I think, was their last game, and that's an Xbox 360 game. Um, and obviously they have a pedigree for making Microsoft exclusives. And they're not super well known, but due to the fact that they're connected to Epic, they are known, like people know who they are. Yeah. And they could be doing Gears, you know. That'd be interesting. Which is a well-known franchise. Yeah, I think this is totally up in the air. It's I think this is probably true that there is a studio working on a VR game that makes sense, but it's up in the air of who it can be. Honestly, we're just throwing you know darts at a wall and figuring seeing what lands. Um, but that's it for all the Xbox news. The last story here, uh, real quick. We're running really long on news, so maybe we can just transition this uh, into Jordan's topic. Um, basically, simple story. I won't get too much into it. Uh, over on IGN. Uh, who wrote this? Joe Scrabbles over IGN wrote, Zelda Wii U E3 demos could take 90 minutes to complete. Press are being told to set aside up to an hour and a half to complete the E3 hands-on of The Legend of Zelda Wii U. The new open-world Zelda game, which will also be released on the NX, will be Nintendo's only game on the E3 show floor. Yada, yada, yada. We've talked about that before. Um, it's not just Press who will be playing. 500 fans in New York will be able to play before E3. Uh, although it's not clear if it'll be the same demos. Um, yeah, so... Real quick thoughts. We're running a little quick, on, uh, a little long on news, guys. Uh, what's your opinion on this hour and a half Zelda demo? I mean, it makes sense if it's their only game there, right? They have to have some something substantial. Well, I'm guessing it's going to be downloadable on everyone's Wii U's, right? Oh God. <laughs> so I mean, that's oh, you know, Zelda doesn't come out till 2017, but here's a demo. An hour and a half demo. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I think it's kind of like, can you think of another company that would? have the balls to tell press to come and set aside an hour and a half to look at their game like that's so nintendo right there man they're just like yeah it's gonna be so great you're gonna need a whole hour and a half like you don't need to complete the whole demo you know you could spend 20 minutes on it and figure out what's going on so um so thank you guys for listening to the news portion we're gonna get right into jordan's topic uh jordan you want to talk about e3 right yeah, so I would say this is kind of a pre-pre-E3 E3 topic. Um, we're going to be digging down deep into E3 next week, but um, I just wanted to bring this up and talk about um, you know some of the stuff that we know is going to be at E3, but also just kind of looking at 2016 and maybe even early 2017 and the type of stuff that we know is going to be coming out because... Obviously, as soon as E3 hits, we're going to be talking about everything that was announced and shown there. Um, so right now, I kind of want to highlight the games that um, we already know about and um, so that they don't get trampled under the under the hooves of E3 later on once we know all those details. So um, I guess I'll start by just kind of uh, naming off a list of things that we know are coming in either 2016 or early next year. And um, if you guys have any other games on that list, then then just chime in. But uh, I guess I'll kind of go by release date here. We've got next month in June, we have No Man's Sky and 
Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Possibly delayed. P- possibly delayed, but a lot of people are saying Kotaku lied about that. Yeah, I saw a tweet from the, that developer saying that uh, basically denying that rumor. Either way, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of talking about mostly AAA here, but of course we can talk about indies if we think of them. Um, so yeah, AAA for next month, we've got No Man's Sky and Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Um, then in August, there's Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Um, September, we're getting Persona 5 in Japan. Um, September 30th is Final Fantasy 15. Um, there's Gears of War 4 on Xbox One. Horizon Zero Dawn supposed to be a great PS4 exclusive coming out later. Uh, maybe we'll actually get to play Last Guardian this year. Um, maybe. Uh, what else do we have? There's... Um, Scalebound? Scalebound. Recore? There's Recore. There's Mass Effect Andromeda coming out early next year. Below and um, Cuphead. Yeah, and then uh, For Honor, which Dom mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, Wildlands. Um, Wildlands, Ghost earlier. Recon Wildlands. Watch Dogs uh, 2. Oh, actually, that's not... Never mind. That's a rumor. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So I guess we're just talking about stuff that we know, not necessarily a release date for, but stuff that has been officially announced. So anything um, else that you guys can think of? Off the top of my head, I think you named everything I can think of. We are missing some stuff, though. Um, obviously, all the EA Sports franchises. Uh, sure. I'm trying to think. Is there anything you guys... Uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon? Yeah. Um, we know that uh, CD Projekt Red's going to have a new game this year, even though it's probably just standalone Gwent. Yeah, what else? Uh, help me out here, Dom. Any ideas? I, I mean, Halo I think... Wars 2? That's already... That's confirmed to be releasing. True. Yeah. Uh, what else? Off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. Um, Star Ocean 5 is actually next month. Star Ocean 5, okay. Star Ocean 5, um, Mafia 3. Mafia 3. Dishonored 2. Okay. Which is one that I'm very excited oh, yeah, Dishonored for. Dishonored 2, we've totally forgot about that. Yeah. Very excited for Dishonored 2. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's plenty of a list. Um, and nothing what do you guys on a- Wii U. Yeah, yeah, good luck Wii U. Um, so yeah, what are you guys excited for? What's, what's pumping blood through your veins right now? What is, you know... Obviously, we're going to get tons and tons of announcements uh, here coming up at E3, but um, with what we have right now, what we know right now, what is getting you guys going? Um, go, go ahead, Dom. Sorry. I'm most excited for Dishonored to see more of that. Um, like I was saying, the rest of this year for me, there's not a whole lot coming up that I'm super interested in. I mean, like I said before, I might pick up or I'll probably pick up the, the Call of Duty this year. Because of that whole Modern Warfare business. But other than that, I mean, after Dishonored, uh, there's not much else I'm really looking forward to in 2016. Mm. The Last Guardian is, I still don't understand what it is, but everyone seems to be real excited for it. So, I mean, I'll I'll take a look, but I don't get it, right? You said Wildlands piqued your interest a little bit. Yeah, and I'm guessing we'll get a date, a release date confirmed at E3 for that. But oh, Battlefield 1. We didn't even mention that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one, yeah, that one doesn't really do anything for me either. It's just one of those years there's not a whole lot. There's not a lot of good, like, single-player RPG-type games that I'm usually into. Um, well, both it, of them got delayed to early next year. Exactly. Well, Horizon's rumored and Andromeda's confirmed, right? Oh, Horizon, yeah. Horizon was the other one that I'm excited for. 
and possible Uncharted DLC. I'm assuming too. Right. But that's not confirmed, so it's like hearsay. Um, I don't. I don't know what I think of that. I might not even. Depending on what the deal is with that, I might not play it because I. What? Me, Uncharted is just. It's just done, and that yeah. story is. That oh story. my gosh. It's, if but they it, did any kind of story DLC, it would have to be something. To me, it would have to be something totally separate, like a different yeah. story, like a. a well, yeah, they're back. not gonna like so, continue after the epilogue. So, if you guys want to hear our thoughts on Uncharted Four and like spoiler detail, we're definitely not gonna do it here. We actually have our own separate review discussion that Jordan and Dom filmed, so are recorded. It's on our SoundCloud. It's on our YouTube. So, if you want to check out what we thought about Uncharted Four, definitely go there. Um, this is gonna be interesting though to see how our what our um, things we're excited for change after E3 in just like two weeks. Um, right. That's why I wanted to do this kind of gauge where we're at now and then and see what changes one thing we also missed um whatever rockstar does i don't know if, if that was mentioned well, yeah i think we we're only talking about confirmed stuff so it's right like, yeah there's so a like bunch of stuff rumored from people red dead don't... 2 and stuff like that yeah, yeah that's well, just rumors wasn't it confirmed that they were going to show something at e3 well i guess yeah the, the next the next rockstar game that is confirmed right. that they are showing something we don't know, we just what, don't it know is, what but it is confirmed that they're showing something You're and right. also resident evil yeah, that's also confirmed, yeah, Which, that they're showing uh, something. Depending what that is, if it's what it sounds like, that we're kind of going back to Resident Evil 4-style game, then it could pique my interest, too. Um, who, hmm. Do you guys know off the top of your head uh, who the Evil Within, who the developer was? Tango so Game Bethesda. Beth wait, well, they Bethesda published. It. published. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, do you think they might have something in the works, Evil Within 2 or something? Yeah, I think it's possible. So how long was Evil Within? Two years? Yeah. It came hmm, out in okay. 2014. Um, off of like what I'm excited for, um, not so much the release of these games, but basically to know more about them. Scalebound, I love the Monster Hunter series. Scalebound looks like a console Monster Hunter um, from the early looks of it. Obviously, there was reports that that game is in development hell. It's by your favorite boys over there, Platinum Games, Jordan, so who knows. Mm. Um, ReCore looks really interesting. Um it just looks cool. I like the mechanic of that, like, ball thing being able to be put in different animals. It looks like it could be a really cool mechanic. Or robots, I guess, but they look like animals. I want to know more about ReCore. I want anything about Andromeda besides an alpha test jetpack scene that we got, you know? <laughs> anything. Just give me something, Bioware. Something. If Amy Hennig doesn't show her Star Wars game this year, I'm going to blow my mind. Um, it's not happening. I think it's, it's far off happening. still. But I guess yeah. we can get into that next week on what we expect for E3, so I'll get off of that. Other things that are confirmed, Gears of War doesn't get me yearning to play Gears of War. Like, I'm not excited for it, but it is something I'm going to play. Um, I it just I feel, feel kind of jaded in the sense of when I finished Gears 3, the naive person in me thought that that series was done. Um, but obviously, money speaks for itself. Kind of like people are thinking with Uncharted that it's completely done. I don't think so. There will be something Uncharted in the future. Whether how long that is or if it's even by Naughty Dog, who knows, but... Uh, you know, Uncharted sells, so Sony's gonna want to sell things. That's how business works. But um, like Gears, man, I, 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 I want to play it, but I'm not excited for it. Uh, Last Guardian, I'm, I'm with Dom. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what it is. Um, you know, so and to see that game actually come out would be awesome. So it could either be a Doom or it could be a uh, a, a Homefront Revolution. So mm. we'll see exactly what that is. Um. Yeah, but uh, there's not too much I'm super excited for. I'm kind of with you. I was super hyped on Andromeda, but it got delayed. Um, Below, I'm super excited for, and Cuphead, I'm super excited for. Um, but as far as, like, AAA big games, I, I, there's nothing really. Uh, did you say, Jordan, what you were excited for? 
No, not yet. I am, uh, I would say that I'm pretty excited for No Man's Sky. I'm not sure that I'm going to buy it day one, um, but I'll definitely play it at some point. Um, and I am kind of cautiously optimistic about Mirror's Edge Catalyst. It looks interesting, at least to me. Um, I'm getting pretty pumped for Deus Ex. I think that looks like a really cool game. I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Um, and I love stealth games, so I'm, I'm getting more and more excited for that. Um, and then, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, obviously that's not till next year, but I'm obviously very pumped for you that. You two games to hold you over <laughs> that you've never played, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm good on that, for sure. I wish I could um, play those games again. Ugh. More than anything, I I'm am... like... I'm anxious to see like what these new consoles are. Like that announcement can't come. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, we didn't so talk curious. about that either. We already know about those things. So. Yeah, I think I'm super, super excited for Dishonored 2. We've already talked about that on the show before, and I kind of been kicking myself recently. I was talking crap earlier on the show about how I'm probably not going to pre-order Last Guardian or Final Fantasy 15 just because I don't think the developers should be rewarded for taking 10 years on a game. I'm with you. But at the same time, like, I kind of want to play both of those games day one because I want to be in on that crazy conversation that's going to ensue. So I am actually pretty excited for those two. Um, I think Final Fantasy has farther to fall, though. Like, Last Guardian, people will think that game is going to be bad, and if it is bad, they're like, okay. If it is good, then it's like, oh, this is a surprise. Final Fantasy, man, I think if that game's bad, people have a lot more to say about that game. Sure, sure. Is there is there anything you guys are looking forward to seeing uh, around VR? I could care less, nice. to be uh, completely yeah. honest with you. <laughs> Not really. I'm, I'm, um, yeah. I'm, I'm slowly falling off the hype train, too, just because I like the idea, I like the price point of PSVR and everything, but I just, I'm very pessimistic about the like, selection of games that are going to be available. It, it's a religious experience that you're supposed to, to to try for yourself. I don't live anywhere where I can actually try that, and I don't have the money to invest in one. So it's kind of like it's it's out of my space. Like I just don't care about it. Not that I don't think it's cool technology. It's just I, I won't be able to afford it anytime soon, and it just is whatever, you know? So. But, I mean, for me, it could all change if they announce tons of new, like, like if they say we, we put The Witcher 3 in VR, like fully supported, like something, mm-hmm. you know. They start doing things like that, like full realized games, then I'd be into it. That's almost definitely not going to be the case. We're going to get a lot of short games or, you know, like experiences, right? Like those Which VR I'm fine demo with playing things. Gone Home in VR. I, it's weird to me. Like playing Gone Home in VR is more exciting to me than playing Witcher in VR, to me personally. Because, like, I want to play an RPG like that with a controller. I it just seems weird to me to control it with like. Witcher was a bad example because I mean it's no, I, a third person <laughs> game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I understand what you're saying though. Like Bioshock um, in, in VR would be dope. But like Fallout in VR, I would buy day one. <laughs> yeah. Which actually, I'm glad, I, and I bring that up hypothetically, but people are working on uh, software that can basically take regular games and convert them to be VR compatible. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a uh, it's a group of open source like developers that are putting this together and they have to do it, you know, game by game and they have to do a lot of work. Yeah. One, but that could be pretty cool. Um, so the last one I'm uh, pretty excited for, I would say is mafia three. Um, I've played both of the first two games. I haven't beat them just cause they're honestly not the best games. Like they're solid, really great stories. They're cool mob stories, but the gameplay is 
is not really there. Um, however, I think this new one looks really cool. I love the setting of the late 60s in New Orleans or fake New Orleans, whatever it is. And um, I just, I like the aesthetic they're going for. Like, they could have just made Mafia 3 another, you know, Italian mob uh, game, but I think they're really going for something new, and I think that's the what they're going for is very creative, and I like seeing that in the games industry, so I'm excited for that one. Um, before we move on, I wanted to make, I just wanted to say something, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. <laughs> a lot of flack. My, I want to say what I think the most disappointing game of this year is going to be. Okay. I think it's going to be No Man's Sky. Okay. I'm with the, you. I don't get that game either. I don't understand so, it. I understand that game from a concept of I was super in love with Minecraft. Like, I loved Minecraft. I'm a very um, introverted person, so I like being in a world and exploring it myself and just being on my own. And it gives me a chance to listen to podcasts and just be explore and be with myself, right? But I do enjoy that if my friend's on and they want to play, then I can show them my world. I can show them what I've done. The fact that there's really weird, like, non-existent multiplayer aspect to this in any possible way is really weird to me for a game that's supposed to be so big and so expansive. Um, it just, it seems to me like it's, you know, when they have these, these uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, generated. What's the word when something's... Uh, procedurally generated. Procedurally generated. If it's not done well enough, there is a yeah. lot of copy and paste. Like, there's oh, yeah. a lot of the same thing with something slightly tweaked. Like, they're showing off these, these variations of, of animals but in a, a quote-unquote universe that expansive, how different really are they? And, yeah. like, I think not every game needs to have multiplayer, but a game like this that's all about exploring and, like, making this planet your own. And what's the point of claiming a planet if no one can see that you claimed it? Like, it's, I don't know, it's really weird to me that there's, like, this weird, like, non-existent multiplayer that's multiplayer, like, Shadow Realm, where you're not really in their world. It, it's weird to me. Like... Um, even in Dark Souls, you can see where people have died, but like people can still come in your world, right? And there's interaction there, which you can choose to not do that at all. But it's cool that it's a part of the game. I just think it's No Man's Sky to me seems like a lofty ambition that's not going to hit its mark. I'm definitely cautiously optimistic with that one. I'm not. I there hasn't been a moment where I've felt completely sold by No Man's Sky. That's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely. It gives me a Peter Molyneux vibe. <laughs> oh yeah, we're I can feel that. We're promising you the world, and we're giving you a grain of sand. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I, I hate to end it on such a bad note because there's so many awesome games coming out this year, but I could be totally wrong, and that game's everything everybody wants it to be, but I really think it's going to be the most disappointing game. And Final Fantasy XV is coming out this year, so that says what I think about that. We're moving on. Uh, so, uh, as I stated earlier in the show, I have been playing Doom. I actually beat Doom, and I made a lot of notes Ooh. here. Let me pull out my little handy-dandy notebook. Shout-out to Blue's Clues. Um, so... <laughs> I just have listed here. I'm going to go in order of how I put it. So, um, a clue, a clue. <laughs> uh, so the humor, I want to start off with the humor in this game. And the humor is really cool. It's very uh, on the nose, very over the top brutality. Like there's a lot of jokes in the game that are just like, we're doomed. You know, like this is doom. Y you get it? You know, it's doom, bitch. Yeah. Like, kind of like how uh, Spider-Man was on the nose in Civil War. Like doom is doom. Like it, a lot of those jokes hit because this is what you expect when you play doom. You know, it's fast, it's fun, it's a great homage to, like, the original Doom. Um, the, the mechanic of glory kills in the game is really fun, where you can chain glory kills. If you guys aren't familiar, glory kills, when you get a, uh, an enemy to a certain threshold, health threshold, 
you melee them and it performs a glory kill which is an animation of you killing them like super brutally like one of the big enemies in the game you rip out their heart stick it in their mouth and they explode like it's super dope <laughs> um so this is a kid's game yeah definitely a kid's game uh so baby game yeah the glory kills are awesome you can chain them through enemies you can go weak and like if you if you damage people in the right way and by the end of the game you kind of get the flow of how much damage it takes to get somebody to a glory kill range you can chain these glory kills and you can get like uh, upgrades that whenever you glory kill somebody you gain health so it actually helps you stay in battle and combat because doom is all about shooting right and like crazy gameplay um before i get into anything else the game is the best running game on xbox one and that's no surprise because it's id software they know how to make games run this game is hands down the best running game possibly I've ever played. And I've played games on PC on really nice PCs. And, like, for me personally, holding this game, it ran really well. Like, there was no hiccups. It's be- definitely the best experience I've had on a console. Um, Rage was really smooth, too, but no one liked Rage. So that was also from id. Um, what else? So the collectibles are really cool. Um, some of the collectibles are their figures of uh, classic Doom suits uh, from older games. And they actually give you a little synopsis of, like, where they're from. Um, and whenever you pick him up, he does like a little animation, uh, with the actual character and he has, he says something. It's really funny. Um, basically going back into that doom is doom kind of humor. Um, the variation of enemies is really well done. Um, it escalates at a reasonable pace of like, you have your easy enemies and a little bit harder than a little bit harder. There's never really a, a, a drastic jump in difficulty, um, which I really enjoy. Level design is impeccable. Um, you never feel as if you're lost. You always know where to go. Um, so like it's, it's, it's very easy, very intuitive. Once again, I said, this is id. So it's like not hard to, to know, um, that they're great at level design. Um, fights, like I stated before, they're gloriously nonstop. Like just, it, you can get caught in a fight and not even realize that, you know, like five minutes have passed because it's constant action and that's not the whole game. There's definitely areas where it's exploring and appreciating this world that they built. Um, the bosses, like I said, they're challenging. There's not a boss at the end of every level, but as the game starts ramping up, like I said, you hit these major milestones, and I don't want to ruin it because Dom is planning on possibly playing it. There's these major milestones where you play bosses, and sometimes they get to the Dark Souls point of like, this is frustrating, but you're so close that you want to do it again, right? Um, so, yeah, the bosses are really cool. Um, the BFGs in the game, the big fucking gun, which is awesome. The way they introduce that game at the end of the game is awesome. Um... I love... Are you guys familiar with the BFG from Doom? I've heard of it. It's one of the most iconic games, uh, guns in games. Like, it's just a big gun that does a lot of, like, a lot of damage. It chains through enemies. So towards the end of the game, when you have these massive uh, massive fights with tons of enemies on screen, it basically chains and kills all of them at once, but it's very limited ammo, so you want to use it in the most dire of situations. Um, The callbacks are great, but they're not to the point of where it forces you to know the old Doom. I think you can get in and just understand the humor. So it it walks that fine line of you're familiar with Doom or you're not familiar with Doom, you're still going to have a good time, which I think is great for a quote-unquote relaunch reboot of this series. Um, sorry, I'm going so long. I have a lot of notes here. Um, the ending is uh, tough and it's uh, rewarding as well. Um, you fight uh, the mastermind. Um, it's very strategic. You have to figure out what exactly you're doing. You have to switch guns. You run out of ammo. So it forces you to know how to use um, guns. So... You can't just run th- with a shotgun through the entire game like a lot of shooters. You can run through one gun with one gun through an entire single-player campaign. This game really forces you to know how to use all of the weapons. Um, the upgrading system is cool. Um, the ending obviously leads to a sequel. That's obvious. Um, 
before we get into an open dialogue, I want to talk about the achievements real quick because I love going for achievements uh, slash trophies if you're on PlayStation. Um, I played this game for three days and I got 700 out of a thousand gamer score, which is like I would. It's obviously 70 percent if you're a trophy hunter, I guess. Um, and that was without even really trying. Um, it, it seems like it's an easy thousand and easy plat if you own the game. Um, a couple of things I loved about the achievements. Uh, Dom and I were uh, Jordan and I were talking about this before the show. Um, it only has two multiplayer achievements: one for winning a match and one for reaching level five, which I think are are doable. Um, obviously, it sucks in the future if no one's playing multiplayer; you can't really get those. But uh, I still think it's a step in the right direction for multiplayer achievements. And um, the difficulty achievements for beating the game: there's one achievement for beating the game on any game mode except the hardest. And the other one is for beating the first level on the hardest difficulty. So it doesn't force you to replay through a game and kind of lose your your um, your love of that game just for trying to grind out a hard mode uh, achievement, which I really think is good. My only uh, problem with this game is that it's pacing as far as storytelling. And obviously it's Doom. It's not going to have the greatest storytelling. But the way it leads you into things is a little off. I don't think it's terrible pacing, but I, I think it is something to mention. I don't want to just give you everything I loved about the game and not have anything negative. Um, I do think the pacing is a little rough, but as far as the enemy difficulty pacing, I think that's very well done. It's the storytelling beats and stuff, the arc, that's a little off. But uh, yeah, I love Doom. It was fun. Uh, I, I, I took a lot of notes, as you guys saw. So, Any questions? Anything? Have you played the multiplayer? Yeah, I played the multiplayer. I played uh, 10 matches or so. It's forgettable. It runs well. That's not the problem. It's just... Uh, and this will lead into our next topic, obviously. But uh, if I'm going to play a multiplayer game, it's going to be something I want to get invested in. And it's just a shoot 'em up And it's fun, but, you know, it's what it is. It's nothing out of the water. So, so real quick, give us some deets on that, uh, what is it, the snap map? Oh, yeah. The, so, it has three major um, game modes. Or, yeah, I guess game modes. Multiplayer, campaign, snap map. Uh, one thing I didn't write down that's a kind of a complaint when you click on one of those three things, it, you have to load up that version of Doom. It's like launching campaign huh. Doom, launching uh, multiplayer Doom, which probably helps the game running so well in those specific game modes because it runs its own kind of thing. Um, but it doesn't take too long to load. Snap Map is a build-your-own game mode slash map um, mode in the game. People are being very creative with it. It allows you to take certain pieces. Everything's already pre-built. It's not like Project Spark or, excuse me, um, Little Big Planet, where you have to make things from scratch. They're pre-built rooms that you just literally snap together. It's like Legos or Mega Blocks with map editing. And obviously, the t when you give people tools, they can be really clever. People have made um, Crash Bandicoot-esque uh, runners, where you run towards the screen to run away from things. People have made uh, campaign missions, um, harkening back to the original Doom. People have made specific like multiplayer modes, like. People are getting very creative with it. And one of the achievements is to play five published snap maps. So I, I made sure to play five distinct maps to get the achievement. So I kind of see what people are doing with the tools. Um, I really like when games implement this because this can give the game longevity. Um, people will get off of multiplayer and they'll get dead on it. But having the secondary create a thing where it's not just multiplayer maps where it's specifically the tools are there to make whatever you want can definitely give you more of a reason to buy this game. Um, if it wasn't for the snap map, I snap snap map. I don't think this game would be worth purchasing at sixty dollars. Um, oh, I don't think so personally. Uh, I think it's a rent. Um, I think you're okay if you buy it, but I don't think you necessarily have to buy it. The multiplayer is forgettable. Campaign's really fun. Um, 
But, you know, the Snap app does warrant the, the $60. I, I will say that much. I am jealous. I do want to get to this. Um, everything about it is right up my alley. I love gore in games and, you know, those kind of brutal takedown animations. Like, I would probably play this game and just do that uh, do that glory kill mechanic over and over and over. Like, I love I that did. stuff. It's fun. It's yeah. really fun. That would be, like, that kind of stuff is always really satisfying. And maybe I need mental help having those thoughts but yeah <laughs> but i also i also appreciate um how much you like the smoothness and the you know how the game ran maybe uh maybe i'll start to wean you over towards the uh pc mustard race jordan don't let him take here. me save yeah. me <laughs> but it's cool that they did that on consoles too um i've always found it interesting that consoles don't give you the choice of you know you want your game to run it 30 FPS with, uh, you know, a couple, couple higher details or graphic settings or whatever, or do you want, you want it to run smoother and maybe we got to take a couple shadows out. So I thought last of us remastered did that and that was cool, but obviously on PC, you can change every last thing and play it exactly how you want. So, yeah, I definitely think that this is a must play for people, um, this year. Um, I definitely think this is a game that's going to be overshadowed because it's not the, uncharted for storytelling or it isn't this or it isn't that but this game did a lot of great things for its genre and its style of game um i really think that this might be the best shooter all year um seems like a sleeper hit to me yeah it's a really solid game id software makes great games no one complained about rage uh from a from a uh like a gameplay running perspective the story was a little weird right um so, it, it software is always known for making great games. Obviously, they already had previous lore and storytelling elements here where they couldn't screw it up, right? But, like, even the puzzles in this game are great. Like, there's not, there, like I said, there's very few things I can say negative about this game. Um, and it was a game I was honestly expecting just to go in and play and just a game to play. And I actually really fell in love with this game. Um, I really thought it was really well done. So, um, Dom, you were talking about, you know, lowering the frame rate for a higher resolution or vice versa. The uh, Neo demo that they just had actually had that. Right, right. Yeah, that's something I think... I mean, maybe it's a it's a lot of extra work for developers, I can't imagine. But if, it, if that's the case and, and that's a concession they have to make to get a game on console, then I guess they have to. But I think that I should be like every I would like to game. see that. I'd like to see that in more games. That would be cool. Also, um, going back... This is real quick before we get into uh, Dom's topic... Going back to the whole thing of like all of Xbox's exclusives are going to be also on Windows 10, meaning that like the 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 porting and everything is going to be really well done. That means that PC gamers don't have to get a shitty console port as they sometimes happen to get, you know, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, so we're going to be getting into. We actually I was talking about the dual multiplayer and how it necessarily wasn't the greatest experience. It was good, but it's not something that would keep me entertained. Uh, Dom, you had something to say about multiplayer games? More than something to say about it, actually. I'm going to slide my pants down and take a big old what? dump on okay. multiplayer games. Um, <laughs> okay. Multiplayer only or just metaphor. multiplayer in general? Um, just multiplayer games in general. <clears throat> Specifically with the release of Overwatch. Um, I just multi- it makes, It's been making me think a lot about multiplayer gaming and why, how much I don't like it. For a variety of reasons, and I itemize them here. So, the the first flaw to me is you have to be you have to get the game when it's released, and you have to sync time into it. 
during those first few weeks, especially. I mean, if you want to be relevant and have fun and, you know, have a good time and not get completely shredded every time you play, you have to, yeah, not only be there on release, but giving a lot of time. Because um, otherwise, I mean, you, it's really easy to get left behind, um, especially in a game like Overwatch. I could imagine in, if I were to try to play that, you know, even now or a week from now, I'd probably be so far behind under level than everyone else would be so used to it that I just would not have a good time, even if it's a great game. Um, <clears throat> so besides that, um, to me, it's, it's also a, a kind of gaming that really requires you to have to play with friends, you know, um, playing a multiplayer game on your own is kind of, I don't think that's the way it should be done. Right. Cause you don't, you know, you're talking to random people, if anyone at all, plus you might end up going up against a team of friends who are going to, who are going to absolutely destroy your team if you don't know yeah. each other. Um, and it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to have a group of friends all interested in owning the same console and the same game with the same schedules. To get that to sync up is really difficult. Around the same um, level. Exactly. For for most adults, that's not really, it's not really feasible. Because like, I remember in high school and middle school, like, I played Call of Duty, like, nonstop with my friends. That was possible for me at the time. But, so it's it, it definitely only serves to, you know, some demographics um, as opposed to others. And then also, it's a game, you know, it's a style of game that, gaming that, like, you really have to be good at as well. Because even if I did spend all the time I needed, I'm not very gr good, <laughs> admittedly, at multiplayer games. I used to be pretty good at Call of Duty, but maybe I'm just getting older and my hand-eye coordination's deteriorating, but... You I'm beat just... Dark Souls, so I mean... See, but to me, it's different because... It's a, that's a single-player game that you can play at your pace and get good at it at your own pace. And while it's, it is you know, difficult and frustrating, it's in a different kind of way where it teaches you, and it, you know, through its difficulty, it teaches you to get better at it, whereas multiplayer gaming doesn't really do that. A lot of games would just slam you on your ass and then spit on you and then over and over again because you're underleveled and Jeez. you're just not as good as everyone. It's, it's just, you know... And of course, maybe if I was better, if I was better at multiplayer games, I'd have, I'd be singing a different song. But that's just kind of how I feel. Um, and then the last piece is you, to have the most fun too. You also kind of have to have like this level of compete when you're playing. Which when I when I play a game, that's not really what I'm looking for. I'm a com very competitive guy, like in a lot of other areas of my life, right? But that's not what I'm looking for when I go to play a game. Again, Dark Souls, little different. I don't think it's it's yeah, quite a pure analogy because yeah, that game's also really challenging and it's stressful, but it's in a much more rewarding way to me. To where like, I like competing in Dark Souls. It's a little bit, it's much different than a multiplayer game. So that's just a, a handful of gripes Whew. that I gathered <laughs> on multiplayer gaming. And again, it's that's a lot of it is personal to me, right? I have I have quite a bit to say, so hear me out. And this revolves a lot around Overwatch, uh, surprisingly enough, as everything in Put your seatbelt on, Don. We're going for a drive. So, um, first of all, you have to appreciate Overwatch over other games when they do multiplayer for one simple fact. The multiplayer is the primary component. The problem is people get the super The only invested. component. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is people get super involved into Uncharted, for instance. There's other games I can name, Doom. People get super involved into those multiplayers. Those multiplayers won't last one tenth of what Overwatch will. You know what I'm saying? People Overwatch get super is going to be around for years. 
Yeah, so people will get super involved in Uncharted Four, and they'll be like the dog in Futurama that's left there by Fry. You know, <laughs> like no one's coming back, and they're going to invest so much time in this multiplayer platform, platform where no one plays. Um, going to your other point of uh, you have to play with random people. Some of the closest friends I've met were random people through Xbox. Which means that who's to say I might meet might not meet somebody who's a friend through Xbox again? You, you probably also met ten times as many assholes. Yeah, but I, <laughs> when I walk out into the real world, it's the same way. True. I, I, yeah, no, it's a valid point. You can it does present the opportunity to meet meet new people. But third point: when you meet assholes in the real world, you know they're Xbox players. <laughs> well, yeah, because we don't have a social system to talk to each other on PlayStation. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> That was great. So, uh, going back to your, your thing on skill, I have a friend who plays Overwatch who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. But guess what? He doesn't play one of the shooting classes. He plays a healer class where you literally do no damage, but you are a strategic part of the team where you heal your teammates. That sounds like no fun, though. A lot of people have fun yeah. with it. Mercy's actually one of the most popular characters. So maybe the maybe the thing is that you're what you consider fun you're not good at in a multiplayer game, so it doesn't interest you. And I don't think there, there's obviously people who play single-player-only games, there's nothing wrong with that. People who play only multiplayer games, there's nothing wrong with that. It's what you want to get out of a video game. Everybody comes to video games for escapism and what they want to have particularly. But I think that there's a lot that can be great that can be found in multiplayer games. I do agree from an industry standpoint that I think it does hurt the industry when multiplayer-only games ship at $60. And this can go into a whole other conversation of what's exactly worth what. But for me personally, my personal worth, I think that in order for a game to be $60, it has to have at least, I don't know, a, a campaign. And the multiplayer is cool, but it has to at least have a campaign. Like, And that's to me personally how I feel. Uh, like Overwatch, I love Overwatch. I'm going to buy Overwatch. But if it had a campaign, it would make me a little bit more comfortable paying $60 for that game. The thing that Blizzard has over other companies where people the big the thing that bothers me is people are saying people bash EA for releasing Battlefront and they're they're okay with Overwatch. First of all, oh, 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 Blizzard hasn't come out and said they they didn't make a single player campaign to make sure it was out in time for the Blizzard movie. <laughs> Second off, Blizzard has a proven track record of updating games with substantial content. Substantial content. Substantial which you can't really say about Battlefront. People comparing these two games just because they're multiplayer only is dumb. I think it's really dumb. People are saying, why are people getting mad at EA when they're not getting mad at Blizzard? I think it's a completely different argument. They're two completely different games. Just because they're both multiplayer doesn't mean anything. Well, also, and I think the content that is already in our Overwatch without ever buying DLC is way more substantial. Well, the substantial thing is, is that Blizzard usually... If Blizzard charges you for a game, they don't charge you for DLC. Hearthstone is a free-to-play game that you have to buy every bit of DLC. Games that they charge for, a lot of times their DLC is free. They've stated openly that this is going to be a platform where the only payment they ask from people is microtransactions. They're taking the, the MOBA approach from the sense of we're going to have very often updates and balances for characters, and we're going to introduce new characters, and if you want to spend money on skins or loot boxes, it's up to you. It's up to you if you want to pay money on this. The, the, the problem yeah. is the value of the IP of Star Wars is so much higher than the ip of overwatch like one level yeah. like one map on a, in battlefront is like on the market way more valuable than a level in overwatch right and that's yeah. shown by the sales because that's i mean i think battlefront sold 14 million copies already which is absurd considering it's a small game but that just goes to show that yeah there's less to it 
So the complaints that it's multiplayer only, just like Overwatch, why did everyone hate? I, obviously, that's, there's flaws in that. But I can, per, like, clear as day see why that is. And that's because, it, yeah, that Star Wars IP is so much more valuable than something Blizzard so, could put out like that. And also, um, Overwatch doesn't have a season pass with the extreme prices that Battlefront did. Yeah, a season pass that com- cost almost as much as the game. You want to buy the actual game? Here's a season pass. Also, this right. is coming from a perspective of neither of you guys really play MOBAs. The thing that sets Overwatch apart from every other MOBA, every single MOBA, usually MOBA games last about 30 minutes. Huge investment of time. Overwatch games usually between 10 and 15 minutes. Call of Duty-esque. On top of that, every time you play a MOBA game, whatever character you pick, you're locked into playing that character for 30 minutes. So it limits strategy. Whatever you're locked into pick, if the, if the other team outpicks you, because you can have equal skill, but if they have uh, you know characters that basically shut down your characters, you're going to lose, right? The thing that Overwatch has over every other MOBA is you can change your characters mid-match. It's super dynamic. You can change team comps. There's a lot of strategy involved. Like This game is doing a lot of things right. Um, I... The thing too is that's weird is this game is available forty dollars on PC, and the sixty dollar version is the extras. Why didn't they do this on consoles? Why Blizzard is trying to get into the console realm and they're doing it the wrong way? You know, oh, I think this it's... game is this game is gonna have a huge tail on PC. That like this is going to be Team Fortress Counter Strike kind of game. That ten years from now there's gonna be a huge crowd. This game on is consoles? gonna have a huge tail end on on console as well if the generations know. are going. Not you would lot. be surprised how many concurrent players Smite has on console. You would be surprised if League came to console. How obviously that wouldn't work because it's like mouse and keyboard. Blizzard knows how to support their games. They do it in in a way that's kind of close to Valve. Look how long Team Fortress Two has lasted. Yeah. Look how long that game has lasted. And obviously it's on PC, so it is different. But there's still people playing Team Fortress on Xbox 360. And you want to know how I know? Because when I had the orange box and I bought it like three years after release, I was like, Team Fortress 2, I've never heard of this. Because I didn't own a PC at the time. People are still playing that game on console. Like, this is a game... I understand, like, you know, multiplayer games don't have a huge tail line on, on consoles. But this game could be different. It's Blizzard. Like... They know how to do things right. If you've seen the animated shorts, like, they could release a movie and make money. They could, like, I really think that this game is a game changer, but it hurts them so much that they didn't put it out at 40 on the console like they did on the PC. Excuse me. I just, now. So, Dom, I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about multiplayer, I wanted to ask you what your feelings are about uh, multiplayer in the Souls games. Specifically, maybe Dark Souls 3. I mean, it's flawless it's, it's like as perfect as it could be for that kind of game um totally optional um so kind of just like break it down and explain it a little bit for those that don't know so okay well i guess i gotta start i gotta step back so the first the first aspect of it is you can leave messages you can get an item and from a you know a set of words you can craft a sentence or two and just leave a message on the floor in a level and other people who are playing simultaneously will see you know can walk up to your message and read it so you can a lot of people leave tips, uh, for example, or tricks, <laughs> or yeah, or they're messing with you, which is almost just as just as clever. But a lot of people leave tips in front of uh, treasure chests that are actually in mimics. So the treasure chest that you go to open it, thinking you're going to get some kind of item, and it ends up being a monster that eats you and kills you in one hit. So a lot of people will put leave a note in front of these chests, like you know, liar ahead type of things. And then there's people do a lot of funny things too. So in the original Dark Souls. One of the NPCs was this huge, 
huge giant goddess lady, and you know she just had huge boobs with cleavage. Yeah, all so over the, the message place, was right? huge chest ahead. Exactly. So and it's kind of one of those. It's like a Dark Souls moniker kind of thing now. It's just one of those things that the community loves to joke around about. So there's thing there's that messaging system which is really cool. The next part is you can click on people's what it's called oh blood stains um so you, you walk along and you press x on a blood stain and it shows just a kind of like a hologram like a, a phantom of that person and how they died in that area so you can click on someone's hologram uh, watch their ghost walk forward and then maybe they sprung a trap and you could see that and that well now you know there's a trap there so you're going to go around type of thing too or if they fell off a ledge that you didn't see you know stuff like that but then the like the core part of the multiplayer is um, and it's usually just before boss areas, you can actually summon other players to come into your world and help. So that's right. like the real the real chunk of it. And, and invading. Right. And you can also get certain items. Um, and the items aren't the easiest things to get. And you can, you know, they're limited. So you can't be doing it like all willy-nilly. But yeah, you can invade other people's, other people's worlds as dark spirits instead of um, as the light spirits where you would actually help them. So you can invade and basically you want to attack the person and kill them. Which, it's already a hard enough game, and there's monsters all around you. And then all of a sudden, yeah. yeah, some red spirit comes in and just whacks you down in three hits. And they're always the, the invading players are always like the guys who are really good at the game too. Yeah, um, damn. And they just make it their job to go and make people's lives miserable. <laughs> it's such a horrible thing, but it's it's so much fun. It's you could also so, turn off any online features if you didn't want to get invaded. That's what I was gonna ask. Is do you think? Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Demon Souls. Do you think have playing it online is an essential part of that experience? No, I played Bloodborne offline completely, and it's, I liked it better. I mean, it's like way. DLC, like choosable DLC. Like it can extend the life of a game. It could also like make the game more enjoyable for you if you've already played through the game and you just want to experience Dark Souls. You can want to be in, you can get summoned by people to help them beat bosses. My biggest, like, I love the messaging thing of people being able to like leave messages on the ground to either trick you or. You know, I think that's really cool. My problem is the summoning and invading is 100% hit or miss. Um, it was absolutely terrible in Dark Souls. Um, it rarely worked. A lot of people had issues with it, like being able to be summoned or be able to invade. Like, it, there was a lot of connectivity issues, a lot. Um, I don't know how it was in Dark Souls 2 if they improved it, and I don't know how it is in Dark Souls 3, but in Dark Souls 1, it was very fickle, very fickle, and it... I had a friend who also owned Dark Souls, and it took us about three hours to be able to be quote-unquote connected. We both had open NAT types. It was nothing on our end. It was Dark Souls servers or whatever it was. Like, it was very fickle, and it was very frustrating, but they probably fixed that in two yeah, or three Yeah, I, I think I remember the original game had a lot of problems there. Um, yeah, they probably That's fixed all that. pretty much solved. I've, I've heard on PC that a lot of people are getting, you know, invaded by hackers and sorts of all sorts of, like, horrible stuff like that. PC! Like, Yay! It never happened to me once, yeah. but I I believe it. Um, apparently, you know, they could hack your, you know, come into your game with, like, a hacked item and give it to you as a gift, and then all of a sudden you end up banned because you, I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on. Dumb. If you do end up getting Doom, can you at least try one match of online? Oh, yeah. No, I'll definitely give it okay. a shot. Okay. Yeah. I just want um, to know what your so impressions on it. would you say, how would you recommend playing offline or online for Souls games? Definitely online. Dumb. It. You don't need it. Um, it's the games are still really good without it, but it's it's an additive thing that it changes the experience a little bit and it adds a lot to it for the better. I think it changes it for yeah. the better. 
and there's those points where you get to a boss that you've tried like 20 times and you can't beat then at yeah. that point you know fall back and summon someone and the problem is the bosses kind of get too easy so when i played dark souls 2 because i played the original completely offline by myself which is it's way harder that way dark souls 2 came around and for too many bosses i ended up like summoning people and i wish i hadn't because a lot of the bosses were already kind of easy in that game and it just it takes away from what it's supposed to be sometimes when you have three you can summon up to two people for bosses a lot of the time too so you have like you know the boss is aggroed on one or two of the other guys so it's easiest thing in the world for you to smack right. him in the back or whatever a couple times and it, it takes away from it in that sense if you abuse it but it definitely can be helpful if there's just you know bosses that are absolutely just feeding you your lunch for weeks and you just have nowhere else to turn it's always there it's available the way i would word it is summoning summoning is something you should be cautious about doing but i would definitely play online because the messaging and the bloodstains are a crucial part of dark souls a crucial part of the experience See, I really enjoyed playing Bloodborne offline because it made it, first of all, scarier. It made it feel like you were going up against, you know, a tougher challenge. And also having those, like, having the phantom, the ghosts of other people and, like, the messages popping up, it was almost, it was distracting and it kind of took me out of the experience. It can be intrusive. It was was annoying to some extent. And you haven't played a Souls game before, right? You played Bloodborne, but you haven't played a Souls game? True, yeah. If that's the case, then maybe, yeah, your first run-through of Dark Souls, play it offline. Yeah. And then I think maybe I would try Dark Souls 2 online. Maybe you are right in the sense of maybe it would be a better experience. But for somebody who's been, like, played through the Dark Souls game, it definitely is something you need to experience at the very least. Maybe not have to do on your first run-through, but definitely an experience you should have. So There is also yeah. a big crowd of people who played PvP in Dark Souls. I never got huge into it. I did for a little bit in Dark Souls 2. But it's really tough. Like, there's so many. There's such a large variety of weapons, and you know, all those, all those skills and infusions, and all these different things that can factor into everything. It's it's difficult, and the the hitboxes sometimes can be a little little shady on certain weapons that you're like, how did you hit me from three feet away? And yeah, yeah. it's because the regular game is so based on you know the accuracy of the controls and the distance between you and the enemy. When you introduce that online component, and you know lagging connections it can throw that all off a little bit and you don't mm. have those you know precise controls anymore sometimes yeah but yeah that's a multiplayer scenario that i love as opposed to as opposed to the all the other ones i was complaining about earlier but i do like me. when multiplayer is different and it's you know like asynchronous or stuff like yeah. that where it's more creative yeah but i forgot to mention earlier and that's that's this is all kind of why battlefront spoke to me and i had so much fun with it was because of how shallow and friendly it was to people like me who don't want to devote the time and effort into playing that game right so like everyone else said no this game is empty and shallow and too easy and i'm like this is fantastic it's casual (laughs) friendly i can jump in and i'm not bad at it like yeah all i'm gonna say is i could play battlefront for 10 hours for free on ea access and i haven't used up all my time (laughs) i and it, it just we're two different type of people that expect two different types of things. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, to just end this conversation. Uh, if you hate multiplayer, I don't think Dom hates it. But like, if you dislike multiplayer, that's fine. If you love multiplayer and you only play multiplayer, that's fine. Um, but I would suggest at least trying the other thing that you don't like. Who's saying yeah. you're not going to like it? Um, for all you people who buy Call of Duty, and never play the campaign. Some of them are actually pretty good. 
Um, yeah. And, and, it's, and I, it's probably a lot of me just being jealous and bitter that I can't be good at multiplayer games, right? That I don't have the time for it. A lot of my hatred probably stems from that, which isn't really fair. But, I mean, it's not fair to make a game that I can't get into either. So I guess you can look <laughs> at every that. game to be for me. Every exactly. single game. <laughs> um, before we hop into what we're going to be playing and we get into the outro and all that, actually, we had a question on – I'm trying to find it real quick. Somebody had a question regarding um, the graphics card, Dom, and I wanted to get your opinion. Really? <laughs> Let me find it real quick. Sorry about this, guys. It was on a video uploaded this week, I think. Did we talk? We talked about it during the news last week, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the 1080. Yeah, I'm trying to find it real quick. Uh, I think it's this one. I think it's our, our Red Dead video, I think. Man. Here EVGA. we go. I found it. Okay. So this is from Langsta Gangsta, uh, Langsta Gaming. Um, we actually have a couple comments I want to get through real quick. We're running a little long. Um, Langsa says, uh, this graphics card has me intrigued. I have a shit graphics card now. What would you guys recommend I do? Wait for the card that Dom was talking about, uh, to get one, or should I get something now that's a little bit more in my price? <laughs> wait, wait. These things are such a huge jump. It, it would be like buying an iPhone, like the previous iPhone, the day before the new one comes out. Just mm. wait. We're, they come out next month. I think one of them is already out, actually, and they're going to have more variations of it coming out in the, over the next month. So definitely wait. Do you think it's so, worth investing in? I, I mean, if you're if you're passionate about gaming and you know you want to improve the experience you get while gaming, and you have the the financial capability to do so, then yeah, absolutely. Okay. But you also really, I mean, to get a card this high powered, you also have to be playing on a monitor that's higher resolution than 1080p. I mean, you want it not going to be worth it. So I have a question you play for you. At, like, absurd frame rates of 120 or if you have a higher resolution otherwise it's not really worth it then you might as well get something what cheaper. graphics card could he get that could play any game he wanted at a decent experience i mean you wouldn't have to spend more than like a hundred dollars really on okay the card. i think that's yeah. probably the answer he's looking for yeah okay the, the scope is is really wide as far as how much okay. you can spend um we have a we have a couple of things here real quick uh comments i wanted to get through real quick too tyler best uh says for the record according to their financial report there will be a new game by rockstar earliest april 2017 i think we said that in the video but hugh i guess he was just clarifying fact checking yeah thank you for your comment we appreciate it uh david writes dan buster studios is a small team that made the game and i'm not going to lie it's a decent not game of the year material but it's all right i do believe they should fix the game with patches soon and they did promise free dlcs for co-op for what what, the year one in reference to that's for home that's for home for the revolution oh, okay. it was a bad game in the and they needed to fix and all that stuff. He said they did promise free DLC for co-op. So if that's true, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, actually going to our point earlier in the episode about Fallout 3's DLC, Langston also commented, uh, Dom, saying, Love when a DLC switches a video game up. I don't know if you guys remember Operation Alaska from Fallout 3. Oh, yeah. Turned an RPG into basically an FPS. That was so. that was a fun one, yeah, because it did exactly that. Yeah, you're playing Fallout, and all of a sudden you go to this weird army simulation dlc and you're just yeah all sorts of shooting going on so thank you guys for your comments we appreciate every comment we get every like every share all that stuff real quick what are we going to be getting into playing this week guys i have quantum break on the mind i need to get it beat so jordan and i can do a review discussion next week that's probably what i'm going to be playing smite as always if i somehow get my hands on overwatch if i sell my soul to the devil i might have that as well so i might be playing that um yeah pretty much just quantum break if i can get my hands on overwatch 
uh, and Smite, and uh, possibly some more Trials of Minecraft or something. I'm trying to perfect Minecraft, and I'm one achievement away. It's just a grindy achievement, so uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. What about you guys? I'm going to either keep putzing around in Fahaba. Fahaba. Or maybe I'll maybe I'll jump into Doom. I don't I don't I feel like I can't wait. So maybe I'll just <laughs> push Fallout aside so I can get through Doom really quick. It keeps happening. Like Ratchet came out, I'm like, oh well, let me get through this and then I'll get back to Dark Souls. And then Uncharted comes out, I'm like, oh let me get through this and I'll get back to Dark Souls. And I'll do But you finished Dark Souls. Get Doom. Yeah, I, I finally did catch up and finish Dark Souls, yeah. So all the same things happening with Fallout. Also come to control this interest for the worst Bostonian accents you'll ever hear. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, what are you going to be playing? What are you talking about? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> we, uh, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to be trying to play some Persona 3 this week because I definitely need to beat that game. Um, but mostly I am, as I said earlier, extremely excited for Witcher 3's final expansion, Blood and Wine. About to take a uh, mighty fine adventure over to the land of Toussaint, Toussaint. Where, where they have a lot of uh, French influence. So Hopefully they um, pay their interns. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so yeah, it's got like, it seems like they have kind of like a, a vampire situation going on. You know, it's called Blood and Wine. So um, we talked about all the graphical upgrades and then. I saw this guy streaming from his PS4 just talking about, like, all the different things that they're adding to the game through this expansion, and lots of cool stuff, man. Like, you can get the uh, one of the suits from Witcher 2, there's new Witcher gear, I mean, like, they're blowing this thing out of the water, so I am through the roof excited for Blood and Wine. Awesome. Uh, really quick before we go, I wanted to say thank you to Christian over at Microsoft Studios for sending us the Quantum Break quote. Uh, that was awesome of him to do. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you watch this on YouTube, thank you. Um, you know, it, all the shares, likes, we say this every week, but it really does help. Um, we actually got a new subscriber on YouTube this week. I don't remember his name, but thank you to whoever subscribed. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, share us. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on everything. Follow us on Twitter where we'll eventually get to 50 uh, 50k one day uh, 50 <laughs> followers and we'll be giving away fallout star wars the force awakens i don't know when what we i'm saying 50K right now 50k <laughs> followers me and jordan will both shave our heads oh god oh um, gosh so, speak for yourself friend uh and that's within the next week we'll put that stipulation reach 50k in the next week yeah. um yeah thank you guys for listening uh as always we appreciate it we'll catch you guys in episode 14 where we'll be doing our e3 predictions um so any closing words guys well i just looked to my right and there's a pile of dog shit that's good <laughs> jordan any closing words witcher 3 blood and wine baby here i come to a song play more indie games guys bye